Hi, I'm Karen Osborne, and this is Living in the Sandwich Zone, a place where each week we talk all things parenting, caregiving, juggling life, and reclaiming joy. Hey, welcome back to Living in the Sandwich Zone. If you listened last week, you know that I've been having a tough time. And one of the things that I do when I'm having a tough time is I like to take a trip down a happier memory lane. And sometimes that's looking at photos in my phone or, you know, talking to friends about things that we've done. And one of the perks of this podcasting thing is that I have some recordings of conversations with friends from happier times. One such recording is what you get to hear today in this episode of Living in the Sandwich Zone. So back in season one, back in February of this year, I took a trip with three of my virtually made friends. And I had what I called my weekend away with my Lark sisters. And so the Larks are Lupe, Ariel, Renee, and Karen. So I am Lark number four. Um, And we did a bunch of fun stuff. So you can hear all about that if you go back and listen to that episode from season one. The reason why I chose this little snippet to play this week is because over this past weekend, I talked to a lot of people, it seems like, about the law of attraction and kind of where you place your attention and what manifests from that. So this conversation was a conversation that we had, um, before our spa day over that weekend away. And we cover, we cover pedicures, we cover shoe shopping, we cover motherhood, pregnancy, and also touch on how, what we do for a living as our jobs can sometimes impact our children. So here, without further ado, is this week's episode of Living in the Sandwich Zone. Enjoy. I know, I saw it this morning. Do you see social distancing? Oh, that's so funny. Just running with the toilet paper. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was funny because when you just said um, you wanted the sandals to show off your toes, I'm thinking, who in this world, after two years plus of Pandemicville, <laughs> is gonna, who's going to be looking at toes? Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, so we were just talking about the law of attraction, and I have my, my little, little law of attraction story I want to tell. So we're coming down to Southern California, even though it's not going to be particularly warm this weekend. I want to show off my toenails, my, my fresh pedicure. That you got specifically for this trip. <laughs> for this trip, yeah, because... Um, it's been two years and I've been getting pedicures just to treat myself, but no one's seen my pedicure for two years. So I have to show off what I can. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, we so 
one of the reasons we socialize, right, is to be seen. And so this is the way that I get to be seen. Is yes. In my pedicure. I so hear you. I, I hear decided you. that I, I got one too. It's a very, very light color, but go. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a pause. Hold it up. No, it was a it was a light pink. I decided I was just gonna go for a neutral. <laughs> so I decide that I need a strappy sandal to replace my old new strappy sandals that I had before. And so I'm planning on you know going to the store. I say I want a cognac strappy sandal. I, but wait, what? but wait. You have to back up a little. You had the old sandals. But what was wrong with the old sandals? Well, so the old sandals, I knew that I had worn them to my high school reunion. And that was, so I'd had them for at least five years. And they were, they were shown their five years of, of wear. Okay. So All right. Let me get to the other backstory piece to this is I'm a shoe minimalist. Mm. And so I will keep a shoe in a category. So I have like one pair of nude sandals. I have one oh. pair of black sandals. Okay, so clear, what's interesting... I'm a shoe maximalist, <laughs> just to be clear, that we do have the spectrum <laughs> represented here. Well, and so let me just, just tell you that I, I have very large feet for a woman. So when I... My feet are a size 13. Oh. I was a size 12 before I had children. Mm -hmm. And then in pregnancy, my feet grew and now my feet are a size 13. So I cannot buy shoes off the rack. I have to online order, which means you online order. You don't necessarily know if it's going to fit. And if I find a shoe that fits me, I buy it in pretty much every single color because it's hard to find shoes that there there are a lot of frumpy shoe choices in the size 13 category. Not cute shoes like what you are donning now. Okay, aside, done. Continue. Okay. <laughs> so my shoe that I need to replace is five years old. And because I'm a shoe minimalist, a five-year-old shoe has gotten a lot of wear. And so sort of like the bottom is starting to like peel apart a little bit. The like leather on the top is starting to look a little tattered. And I'm like, I can't wear this to work anymore. It doesn't like, it's not a professional looking shoe anymore. Um, and so I have this idea that I want this cognac colored sandal. And if it were an espadrille, that would sort of like also be a bonus. I have one sort of mm. two where I'm, that's it. The shoe is either there or it's not there and I'm gonna go home. And so I find this shoe, which is, replaces the shoe essentially in that same category. It's a heel, it's a wedge. It's it is really cute. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is really cute. So, and your pedicure looks very lovely <laughs> through the peep toes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, but the best part of the story is the one store that I'm going to to see if the shoe is available is Goodwill. <gasps> Stop, Stop the madness. What? Look at look at just the soaking in the yay. I mean the 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 air of positive satisfaction on the face that I'm <laughs> looking at is no. just insane. You are kidding me. No. Oh, yeah, so, that is the law of attraction. No 
way. They look brand spanking new and perfect. Your size? Yes, they're my size. They, they fit me perfectly. Wow. They're Franco Sardos. <gasps> <laughs> even me, even me with a size 13 that couldn't fit a toe in a Franco Sardo. <laughs> Nose. Knows what a Franco Sardo is. <laughs> oh. They cost me a whopping $8.50. <gasps> oh my stars. I cannot believe it. You are kidding me. No. So it's like you set the intention for specifically what you want. Bow down. Renee is bowing down. <laughs> wow. You know how many pairs of shoes of Maximus I could have if I could do that? How many shoes did you bring with you on this trip, Renee? Bear in mind, 10 days, two different weather systems. I have a sandal. Mm-hmm. I have some retro Adidas mm -hmm. and I have some bloodstones. Now what's a bloodstone? Oh no, here comes another shoe that I cannot wear because of my oversized feet. They're Tasmanian, feet. but they're very popular in the Pacific Northwest. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. I must say that it is a, a point of woe for me that I will not be able to ever. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. To <gasps> I'm going to catch my words. They do basically everything. Oh. Only. So this is the Merlot. Those are the Merlot boots you talked about. This is the Merlot oh. Blundstone that I also have in black and in sort of a weathered brown. Oh, so, so just to give some context, the boots that I am gazing at now, we actually talked about in our BIPOC <laughs> self-compassion <laughs> circle. But that was before I knew that I would be having to give myself self-compassion because you, you they don't be come in my size. In your size. <laughs> okay. Okay. You oh my goodness gracious me. I love it. I love it. Do you have a law of attraction story? Renee? Well, I do actually from us sitting on the beach last night. Okay, good. Um, as you know, I was sharing a vulnerable story about my son and some shame around motherhood and not prioritizing my baby and my tummy versus my profession. So, so just a small recap that Renee is a former law enforcement officer. You want to give your own backstory? No, yeah, I mean, retired. Retired. Um, Turned. And, and now she is our mindfulness coach here at our self-care retreat. However, um, one of the stories that she shared was that when she was four months pregnant, she was still in uniform. And I think you should tell this part of the story because I think that this goes to, for me, um, when I was pregnant, I too wanted to work on my terms. I wanted to do my job for as long as I wanted to do my job and choose when I wanted to leave on maternity leave. I didn't want that dictated to me. So share that part. Yeah, and I mean, at that time, which was, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of women in policing. Um, and so us getting pregnant was a little bit more unusual uh, for the administration to sort of manage. And, and I was in uniform and I wanted to stay that way. And typically when you notify our management that we're pregnant, you're taken off the road immediately. Um, and this had happened to a friend of mine or they tried to a year earlier. So I had decided that, no, I was going to, I was going to set the terms for coming out of uniform. 
Um, and so I was four months pregnant and responded to a pretty tragic motor vehicle accident. Wherein somebody passed away. Yeah. A young, a young boy. person. Yeah. And had to notify his mother. And in that notification, you know, we, those of us that have been pregnant know how emotional we are when we're pregnant and having to, to do that with this mom and to hear her reaction and to hear her essentially wail mm. um, and drop to her knees. Yeah. When you described it yesterday, you know, so I, I had seen that story communicated to me in an email when we were talking about things about Shane and it struck me so profoundly when I read it. But when you verbalized it and you talked about the guttural wail of the grieving mom, like I, I still in this moment, that surge of emotion um, to, to be in that presence of that grief. And oh. you even telling it back to me, I can see the hospital room. I can see the bed. I can see his body. I know where she's standing. I know where the corner's standing. I can see it all. I can feel it all. Wow. Um, and then the guilt and the shame that comes with that is that sort of vicarious trauma, but then also doing that vicariously to, to your unborn child. Unborn child. Yeah. And... He's an amazing, almost, you know, he's 19. Um, and he's so incredibly sim um, sensitive. Empathetic. He's highly empathetic. And that's a struggle for an elite athlete. And so the guilt... He's a hockey in. player. He's a hockey For all player. of you. Um, and so my guilt and my shame comes in is, did I, you know, were some of my choices before he was born influence his sensitivities and there's not actually there's not much research there's research on sort of ptsd kind of in vitro but there's very very little research on the impacts um, but i know from my circle of mums that are police officers it's interesting that almost all of us have one of those kids mm. those highly highly sensitive and empathetic kids and um, and we struggle with that because you know, we feel that we did that to them in our balance and struggle for our sort of professional independence. Or Yeah, and I hear that. I totally hear that. And I, I think that, you know, I work in the court system and, and as a public defender, I think that I have seen a lot of trauma, you know, in terms of just trauma in my colleagues in handling cases, trauma in the courtroom, trauma in our clients, trauma in the witnesses that come through the court system. I mean, there it's just a really hard environment. And I will say that I do believe that the compassion that oozes out of you and has in every interaction that we've ever had I don't know that that was a function of your work in law enforcement. I think that that was an organic quality that you brought into your work in law enforcement. Yeah. And I would 
I would hazard a guess that your son didn't have much other course than to come out an extraordinarily compassionate and empathetic human being. That's my, that's my guess. And I think that, um, I think that what we do in our heads is we spin narratives and when our highly empathetic, sensitive children are suffering, we want to find a point of blame, a point of, you know, responsibility or control for that. My children, I think too, are very highly sensitive. And I think that my son is one of the most deeply caring individuals. And I think by virtue of what happens in society, I think, and probably also just being male, you know, doesn't always want to let that side show, but I know it's there and I've seen it in action. And I've seen it from when he was very, very young. Um, and my daughter is highly empathetic and very, very caring about everybody else's emotions, almost to the detriment, I would say to the detriment of her own emotions and well-being. Um, but I think it comes back to how we model, how we model handling our own emotions to make those sensitivities assets for our kids so that they embrace them and use them for the, use them for the force of good in the world. Um, one last short story. This, this description reminded me of, so he lives with a billet family because he's, he's... Okay, so Renee is Canadian. <laughs> and so perhaps in the show notes, we should include a glossary, glossary of, Canadian. of Canadian terms. So He plays hockey and a billet family. What is a billet family? It's like family? a homestay family. So this is a family that lives locally that takes in these hockey players because they come from all over the place, right? All over Canada and the U.S. So lovely family. They've got young children ranging from 5 to 11. And three boys, one girl. And this family got this amazing little puppy in December. And my son is a... Dog lover. Well, yeah. And that's his biggest part. His biggest suffering being away... (laughs) Is missing his dog. Is missing his dog. So they got this dog, little Louie, and Louie, he just loved Louie. He was so attached to Louie. As was I, I purchased Louie clothes, (laughs) a bed, (laughs) shoe toys. Um, We all just You had me at clothes. Yeah, we just, we, and I'm going to cry telling this story, which is so, um, so lovely. And in January, um, Louie tragically was hit by a car. Oh, no. And I receive a phone call from my son, and he can't even breathe. I, I, he's just, he's upset. And I, and of course, you know, retired cop, I'm envisioning... The scene. No, I don't even know that it's the dog yet. I oh. just know that something tragic has happened, and I don't know what it is. Oh, because he, he hadn't been even, able to get it out he yet. Even, he can't even articulate it. So when he was finally oh. able to articulate it... And how many times have we been in that situation yeah. where... You catastrophize the outcome. You know, it's like when my phone rings in the middle of the night totally. now. I have a landline still. I'll always have a landline. And my family knows I turn my cell phone ringer off and it's off. And so if they need me in the middle of the night, call the landline. So when the landline rings, I know that something is wrong. And then I immediately catastrophize who's dead, who's, you know, yeah. in the hospital, what's so what happening. what we do. Oh, wow. So... 
so basically he his room is in the basement and he could hear it all he he knew what happened because he could hear the kids crying and sort of and so he was and then of course their oldest son came down to tell Owen and he's you know very very upset and and then even in talking to him he said I need to get myself together before I go upstairs and be with the family. And I, and I said, no, honey, you don't. I said, the best thing you could do, especially for those boys, those boys that are like eight, you know, 11, I think maybe 12 actually, is for them to see a 19 year old boy crying and upset. And, and so that's what he did. Upstairs he went, and all his full raw emotion. Showing his emotion and and his sadness and, yeah. and comforted them. And I know from the billet, the homestay, mom and dad afterwards, they, they just said it was incredible. Um, yeah, I think that that is so true. You know, it, it's, we spend so much time and energy trying to camouflage our pain yeah. and emotions that I know when I started talking about my journey with, Lenny through mental health and, you know, talking about the stressors I've been feeling with that going on and my dad's decline in health, even though I was talking about really, really painful things that really hurt my heart, talking about it helps. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that it releases something from my system that allows me to feel better. And, you know, the irony is we cry when we're happy and we cry when we're sad, right? We're designed that way. Um, Why is it okay to cry when you're happy, but it's not okay to cry? And my friend, my friend, Sherry Salata says that crying is just moving energy. Totally. And you're just moving energy. So bring it on and let it flow. Chinese medicine will agree with you. Yeah. Right. There's, There's actually Qigong exercises to create the whale. Yeah. And to let it out. So I'm going to embrace that. All right. So stay tuned for more when we come back to living in the single. I mean, <laughs> I feel single. That's so funny. It's okay. You're I'm, looking at your single friend. I'm away. I'm away by myself with no husband and children. So I'm like living in the single zone, living in the sandwich zone <laughs> on location. this is delightful. I love it. I'm Karen Osborne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Living in the Sandwich Zone. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, and share it with a friend. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, one of the best ways you can support me is rating and reviewing the podcast there. You can follow me on Instagram at karen.e.osborne. That's O-S-B-O-R-N-E. Or if you want to become an insider, a club sandwich member, click the link in the show notes and join my private Facebook group. Until next time, remember to add yourself to your caregiving list and take a moment today and do something that brings you joy.